0: Tonight's program takes us backstage to witness firsthand the creation, start to finish, of a new play mounted on the American stage. Asteroid City does not exist. It is an imaginary drama created expressly for this broadcast. The characters are fictional, the text, hypothetical, the events, an apocryphal fabrication but together they present an authentic account of the inner workings of a modern theatrical production. Our story begins, of course, with an ink ribbon.
1: five
2: of the year so far so i started doing that and then i realized i have seen a lot of movies this year but i have not liked very many movies this year so (laughs) i can hit you with a top three but i refuse truly to put anything that i actively hated in my top five because i actively hated (laughs) it less than some other things
1: all right uh well (laughs) i'm really interested to see Something you dislike, but, like, the masses actually liked. I'm really interested in that. But I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this is in your top three, Asteroid City. So this is actually going to be in my top five. So I was thoroughly impressed the second time I saw it. When I first saw it, I really liked it. But then the third time I saw it, I was more on board. It It's within two weeks it aged really well.
2: Yeah, I've seen it twice, and the second time I saw it at this really groovy theater in New York called Nighthawk, and they had a cantina machine.
1: (laughs) What did you get?
2: I got a cantina machine martini for the movie.
1: How much was it? Was it good?
2: It was one of the best martinis I've had. (laughs) So apparently it's very aggressively calibrated by their bar staff. So that means the first thing their bar staff does every morning is have a martini. Uh, Uh,
1: I feel that. I feel that.
2: And I was so impressed. The first time I saw it, I fell in love with it completely. The second time, I took so much joy in pulling apart all the puzzle boxes. Yeah. And then I haven't seen it a third time yet, but I'm taking my mom next week. Uh And I think I'm really excited to see how all the things fit back together now that i've seen how they pull apart
1: okay that'd be that'd be a nice a nice day at the cinema with mama well she took
2: me to see my first wes anderson movie which one was that she took me to see grand budapest hotel and that was the first movie that she'd ever seen twice in theaters (laughs)
1: because
2: she loved it so much that's cool
1: that's cool is she a big wes anderson fan
2: yeah, but, like, asterisk, asterisk, she's really only seen his most popular movies.
1: It still counts. It still
2: counts. Like, as much as she likes any movies or directors, she's not a big, like, sit down and watch a movie person. But, like, she really likes Grand Budapest, which, how can you not? And she really likes Moonrise Kingdom, which also, how can you not? <laughs> um,
1: yeah.
2: And... I don't want to show her Royal bombs because I'm afraid it will upset her.
1: I still need to watch it. I've never watched it.
2: It gets under my skin.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Not for, like, any of the reasons I think the movie thinks it does, but it really successfully encapsulates this, like, pressure that children have on them to be good for their parents. Okay. That isn't necessarily a way that is analogous with being a kid. Okay. And... I saw it at a movie theater, which if we time it right, maybe maybe we'll be able to sneak up there for a day uh, and go see a movie at my favorite rep theater up in Agunquit. But uh, they how to describe I saw it there and I like it was like felt like all the air had left my lungs like it was very oh. stressful for me oh, in like oh. an a ultimately cathartic way. Yeah. But I had no idea what was coming and it hit me like a freight train. Oh, it no. hit me like the last train to San Fernando. Um,
1: <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, that's uh, a bit jarring to say the least. So
2: yeah, there's there's one drop, and like if you have ever been like the w- even if it wasn't true, but you felt like like you were the thing that was holding your family together at any point, it's just oh,
1: oh. <laughs> okay, okay. No, but I, also
2: I, uh like Gene Hackman hated being in that movie so much. Reading all the interviews about it is charming as shit because he's just mad as hell.
1: Yeah, I, I heard that. I heard that he didn't know if he was he didn't I guess he didn't get enough direction. I guess maybe he didn't feel comfortable with the lack of direction, but
2: that's... well, I I think that Anderson was like he's doing exactly what I want him to do, so why would I direct him? Yeah. And and then he's over like this motherfucker, this skinny twink kid didn't give me shit to work with. Like hilarious.
1: I mean, yeah, <laughs> I can actually see hackman being that way with him. I can actually envision it.
2: So is it weird of me to say that? I think this is my favorite Steve Carell. Anything ever.
1: Oh no. I mean, Steve,
2: Steve Carell, who is from like one town over from me. I used to go to the summer camp where he went to school. Okay. I'm just trying to think of anything i've I've liked better than him in asteroid City, and I think the answer is none none things
1: I mean, there's only three things of his that I like like I mean the office is cool just to like a rerun thing.
2: I hate I, the office so much.
1: Un- understandably, not going to defend it. I, in uh, a very sophomore way, 40 year version. <laughs> the uncut version of 40 year version is, is fucking funny to me. But again, that's like a raunchy comedy. So I can't really say that you should like it or you, sh- you should like love it or whatever. I think the only like regular project that I would say people should kind of gravitate to is Dan in real life. But. That's that's basically it.
2: I've heard really good things about the patient. I just don't watch enough TV to know if that's actually worth investing in or not.
1: Oh, yeah. Crazy, stupid love that. That is one that I I definitely like too. Mm. You don't like that?
2: I haven't seen it while being an adult.
1: Okay, (laughs) fair enough. Fair enough.
2: Full disclosure, I think that was one that went just a a wee bit over my head when I was... Let's see. How old was I when that came out?
1: That came out in 2011.
2: 2011. Yeah, I was uh, 13 or 14, depending on what time of the year that came out. I mean,
1: it's a wee bit young. It's a wee bit one. There is one massively problematic storyline that is utterly useless, and it... It quasi-involves him But it's not his fault So it's not the character's fault So I kind of give him a pass on that But Well, I don't give that a pass But at least from his perspective I can see why he got kind of blindsided by it But I haven't seen Little Miss Sunshine Since probably 2006 or seven, So I don't remember if that's any good I, well, I remember it being good But I don't remember it at all So I can't really defend it I like the original anchorman but i don't really revisit anchorman so
2: that's another so. movie that got memed to death for me in a way that i feel like i can never watch it again
1: yeah understandable Very i've understandable. seen i
2: i've seen enough quotes from it in dating profile
1: <laughs> bios that,
2: that's funny that i'm ready to be done but anyway so i saw asteroid city for the first time in press and i loved it and everybody else that i was with really liked it and pretty much all of them were like i don't know what just happened to me but i know i enjoyed it <laughs> and and the first thought that i had was we all just experienced seeing an alien <laughs> yes. like together cuz i don't know what just happened but it was okay like, it went well like
0: yeah
2: so we are left with that same like sense of wonder that everyone in the movie has which i think is so clever yeah but i i love this movie i first of all it like this would be a bitching double feature with mars attacks
1: (laughs) actually yes very much so yeah
2: because like the paranoia of mars attacks is not the villain it's the curiosity right they always try to be nice to the aliens and they end up getting their asses handed to them and in this one, the paranoia is the villain, right? The curiosity is is the thing that saves the day. And yeah. so even though they're about the same thing, roughly, like, the idea of it is so charmingly and differently handled. Yeah. And they both have the Slim Whitman song in it. <laughs> French Dispatch was the batting practice for this.
0: Mm, okay. I'm
2: interested to see French Dispatch more because it has more animation. It has a lot of miniature work. It has a lot of landscape panning and and bigger landscapes than previous Anderson films, all of which are things he kind of test drove in French Dispatch. Okay. I also went and picked this up, which is a... It's called Do Not Detonate Without Presidential Approval, which is what it says on the bomb that's on the train. Uh, A portfolio on the subjects of mid-century cinema, the Broadway stage, and the American West. And this is a collection that Wes Anderson put together of basically all of his base material for what he was inspired by. Okay. So it's articles from papers in the 50s about... Behind the scenes of play specials and how those were made. So how the specials of the behind the scenes specials were made. Um,
0: <laughs> okay.
2: And I'm about half through it, and it's talking about like noir and in, in dead sunlight and stuff like that. It's really cool, and it definitely has has provided some like cool additional context.
1: Okay. I mean, we don't get directors releasing books about their works like right as they both come out at the same time. I don't don't remember the last time that actually happened.
2: Also, Wes Anderson has done similar things in the past where he like put together a folio about like the lore of the Society of the Cross Keys when Grand Budapest came out. Okay. But this is the first one that's not like him putting like... It's articles and academic sourced work, and it's not like supplementary fiction, if that makes sense. And the thing that I love is that he often references articles in interviews. And as someone who really enjoys reading interviews with Wes Anderson, I always want to read them. But they're always academic sourced paywall articles.
1: Mm, Yeah.
2: Which are... Hard to get your hands on Even if you are considering The less than legal way to do that (laughs) Yeah So for $10.97 I was able to get them all Bound into One neat little book
1: Alright there it is There it is Can Can I tell you this wild story That happened to me with this movie Yes So Before I watched this the first time Two weeks before, I was in Austin, Texas, and I went to see Past Lives. And I was, it was playing in, I don't know, Draft House in Austin on South Lamar. And when I was walking, there was these two men kind of, like, walking behind me or whatever, coming from a parking garage. And when we got to the front door, there was this kind of massive Asteroid City advertisement. And for me, like, I kind of blocked shit out. Like, I saw it. I acknowledge it, but then I was just like, whatever. And one of the guys talking, and he just, like, blurted out, I'm tired of Wes Anderson shit. And it was, like, <laughs> and it was funny, and I knew what he meant. And leading up to the movie, I wasn't necessarily tired or worried about it, but I was kind of in the camp of because you use a lot of precision in your actual cinematography and filmmaking that eventually it kind of loses its luster. and watching it the first time, I was very appreciative of like the color palette of the film
2: mm-hmm.
1: but a lot of the a lot of the set shots of like he's calculating every person's movement. I appreciated it, but it wasn't like I don't want to say this insultingly, but it wasn't impressive. But in a good way, like like it was like, I see what he's doing and he's actually pulling it off. But I'm more invested in the actual people in the story than being impressed by just the craft.
2: This one feels like he finally it's so he's so used to it at this point. And the actors who are agreeing to work with him clearly know what they're signing up for. Yeah. To to such a way that I feel like they've finally made it seem effortless.
1: Yeah, we're, we're in the matrix and we can now read the ones and zeros. Yeah. You get used to it. I I don't even see the code. All I see is blonde, brunette, redhead.
2: I think that's great.
1: I do too. I really do. Like, and I think for a lot of folks, especially when you watch your first Wes Anderson movie, it's, it can be overwhelming. And I think if you, if you stay with the story and stay with the characters and understand he really does have a deep emotional connection to people. And I think he's really interested in when those bonds are really tested and, and when you get older and when those when you get older and how those things just kind of break down. And when you kind of look at the films through that kind of perspective... And kind of just ignore like the 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 geometry on screen. He's really telling pretty good stories in his movies, and I think he really did. I I I loved every character in this movie. I, I thought it was really impressive.
2: First of all, I think it's a really inspired choice to have a cast of kids that are actually kind of weirdo little kids, anyway.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> make your point. I, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite parts of the movie. Make um, your point. Yeah.
2: Because I think that them being so weird makes the Wes Anderson E adults seem so much more normal. <laughs> like, the yes. they curve so hard that at least you're going to land where the parents are. You know?
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And I, I think that's a really smart choice. But. It doesn't mean that these kids don't have a huge amount of, like, heart behind them. And, like, the second time I watched it, I forgive you for thinking about abandoning us.
1: Uh. I,
2: like, teared right up. I was like, where does this kid learn how to do this? Yeah. Or, like, the Tom Hanks with the Tupperware.
1: (laughs) And the three girls, yeah. Yeah.
2: This one, I think, is the most robotic in its, like presentation it's it's the most well-oiled machine i guess i will say okay but i also think that it wears its heart like right right on its sleeve yeah in a way that he has hidden a little bit before and i think that the contrast of those things really is able to deliver that punch in a way that maybe wouldn't have happened otherwise
1: yeah One of my favorite parts of the movie is when they're playing, like, the name memorization game, Mm -hmm. and and one of the girls says...
0: Uh, I don't know if this game works with us. Uh, Brainiacs,
1: I mean. I I think it might go on forever.
0: I don't mind. In my school, nobody played this game with me in a million years, but the names would be too obvious.
1: Well, I I can't play this game at my school. Yeah. And it's it's like, you felt for her, but... If you've ever been a geek about anything Like you know exactly where the hell She's coming from and Or
2: you've been someone who's really like I was always like the middle tier Smart you know like I was getting Getting my A's and B's But I was not like that
1: <laughs> Yeah
2: And I was always kind of friends with those kids And it was frustrating for me To like Try to play games with them
1: Yeah
2: You ever tried to play Risk with someone who like has the geopolitical value of every country on a map memorized?
1: <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, so we talked about a bit about Steve Carell. I think it's possible that Schwartzman. Well, I think this. I haven't seen like a lot of Schwartzman, but I think this may be my favorite use of Schwartzman in a movie.
2: I will be honest. I just like. Googled him today, and I don't know what was going on with my brain. It's been a weird couple weeks. And I was just like, oh, he's married. Shit. And I was like, why is that my Whoa. reaction? Whoa! Hey,
1: <laughs> is It Was that a Freudian slip of it being too late, Kat? or Like, god damn. I if, my only, if only
2: I had been born 15 years ago. Hilarious. I mean, I also just feel like, is this the movie that makes me like Scarlett Johansson again.
1: Listen. The answer's yes.
0: When you first picked me out of the secretarial pool, I had $111 in my bank account. I lived along with a cat and a parakeet in a one-room dishwater flat. I sold the DeSoto to lend you the down payment for my engagement ring. It was spring. I'm not sore. I know you're a good man. I'm not sorry. I never deceived you. Remember me as a blur in the rearview mirror. Was I ever there? Did you actually see me? I can't even see myself anymore. But here I am.
1: Oh, man. Oh, God. Every choice they made with her worked.
2: Every single one. She's perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think she's back. I think she's. I think we can give her, give her for Ghost in the Shell now.
2: I hope she doesn't do <laughs> another racism. Uh,
1: I hope not either. I hope not either.
2: Um,
1: I think it may have come out too early for like acting nominations, but
2: we don't it, know that though, because I know Anderson's never been a darling for for the Oscars for some reason. You would think so, actually. He might get. The Jamie Lee Curtis award for We Should Have Given You an Award Before Now this (laughs) year. Yeah.
1: I can definitely see Ashford City making the 10. I can see him getting nominated. I can see ScarJo getting nominated for Best Supporting I can see
2: Best Original Song.
1: The music in this was really good. Yeah, Yeah, but also
2: give me the Alien Hoedown song.
1: Give that (laughs) song an Oscar. Give it an Oscar
2: right now.
1: They need to perform it. If they perform, I, that, that would be so killer. If
2: an army of children start jamboreeing at the Oscars,
1: that would be worth the watch. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I think that Montana is actually my favorite character in this whole thing. By the way, I think it's, he's the best.
1: It's so wild. Like this, this Brit does this this Southern accent so well. He he wear he wore that denim suit magnificently I, well.
2: Yeah, he's, yeah. Who who's by the way, like, last big project was Obi-Wan, where he was the Grand Inquisitor, and his head was completely shaved, and he was in freaky alien paint. <laughs> Hilarious. But I gotta appreciate this guy's willingness to just, like, do the job. Absolutely, yeah. Because he's like, oh, you want me to shave my head and wear, like, a Victorian neck ruffle and just be covered in... Alien makeup? Sure. You want me Why to wear not? denim and learn to play the banjo? Great. Like
1: <laughs> Yes. And Maya Hawk, she looks just like her mom. It's yeah. it's the DNA is DNAing. Like
2: Yes. It's so yes. funny. Yes, it is. The whole thing is so good and I'm like hesitant to talk about it too much because I still feel like not enough people have actually seen it.
1: Yeah, more so, and actually, that was the point I was going to talk about. So, the day we're recording this on July eleventh, and it just came out on VOD yesterday. And so, what that what that means is for its national release, it was only in theaters. Well, it's still technically in theaters, so hopefully, if you listen to this, you can actually watch it in theaters. But it came out. The weekend of June twenty fourth, so it's only it only had like two three weekends before it was on VOD.
2: It and it did come out on the sixteenth, uh, for us coastal elitists.
1: Oh, the coastal elite. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, so oh no, you're right. It actually, did. yeah, yeah, you're right. So the theatrical window for all these movies is just it's so short, and that if you just don't catch it within a month, like just it's gonna be on VOD. Anyway, but
2: also go see this in a theater if you can.
1: I highly recommend that, the especially
2: experiment. one with like a nice sound system if you can, because the sound design on this was really good.
1: Yeah, both times I didn't see it in a packed theater. Like the second time, it was only like a like a twenty or thirty seater the second time, but everyone like there was laughs, like everyone like really. The vibe was really felt in the theater both times that I watched it.
2: We saw it the second weekend. It was open in New York. And we got the last three seats in the theater. Okay. It was cheek to cheek to cheek to cheek to cheek. As it it should be. But it's just good. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like I need (laughs) to justify it too much. It's just good. And it's about as much or as little as you want it to be about.
1: It's possible this may be the the most easiest accessible Wes Anderson.
2: I would argue that Grand Budapest may be a little bit of a cleaner entry just because of the framing device being a little bit mm. easier to swallow off the bat. Mm. I also I, think that doesn't speak for his animated work so which is a very different well, conversation I believe.
1: Well, yeah. Astro City. it really it really did the shits, man. It really did the shits. i I didn't read anything about it. I didn't really watch very many multiple trailers. the The structure of it with the with the play and then the movie itself, like I thought it was really clever. and, it, and it, all of it worked. It really worked Cranston, really
2: worked. by the way, I don't know if he's doing Serling on purpose, like Rod Serling. But he's he's also doing a little bit of the like Desi Arnaz uh, hosting of the Des, Desi and Lucy comedy yeah. hour. I didn't even really realize it was him. Like he was doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I looked at him and I went, "Oh, it's Brian Cranston." And then he opened his mouth and I was like, "Is it? Am I wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: he is a great voice in this in this movie. Yeah,
2: and. And there's one moment where I won't spoil any of the context But he just looks around and he is in black and white And the rest of everything that's happening (laughs) Is in color and he goes I am not in this part And then just awkwardly leaves the film
1: Yeah, that was good. And
2: it's very good
1: Yeah, very unexpected, very great So yeah, man Like yeah, we we don't want to spoil this one So this is definitely one Checking out And if if you can't make it to theaters I know we incurred, well, I know the title of one of the episodes was still this movie, but this is definitely one to throw down some some bucks for to, to VOD. So it's definitely worth it on this one.
2: Yeah, and also it's, it is it is a great cameo fest. It is very fun to to weave through all the people that are in this thing.
1: I thought about this the first time I watched it, and now this is the second time it hit me. But I can't believe we're really in the era where Tom Hanks... Is now a legitimate grandfather in movies. (laughs) I'm so grateful
2: that it wasn't Bill Murray though, for like several reasons. But one of which is I just think that Hanks's choice to bring no humor to it.
1: Very straight.
2: Very straight. But that makes it very funny in context but I don't know, all the Bill Murrayisms aside, because there's a lot of stuff we could choose to unpack here if we decided to. Yeah. I think that he would not have been able to play it without a little bit of a wink, and I think that oh. would have cheapened the whole thing.
1: Yeah, like, for sure. Like,
2: in, in Life Aquatic, he does a pretty good job of not, like, winking at the camera too much, but there's still an implication that he... Knows the wink is happening And I think that would be too much In this
1: Yeah And we talked about Batista making kids movies If Tom Hanks Does some 2024 version of I mean I know he already played Mr. Rogers but if he does some Version of a a kids movie where he's like The the magical Granddad like I'll watch that like I, I will totally watch that like he, he's so follow goodness.
2: up, follow up suggestion. What if there's a movie where he plays Dave Batista's dad?
1: Okay, now you're cooking. With, now you're cooking with gas, cat. Now you're cooking with gas. Absolutely, that is the movie we need in these trying times. We need that for sure. Yeah, man. I'm really happy. I'm really happy. I watched this one, man. I'm really happy you like Wes Anderson. The funny thing is, if you if you weren't a fan of Wes Anderson. I don't know if I would have released or sought this out, I should say. Um but I know your enthusiasm even before it came out and then your enthusiasm when you actually saw it. It um it allowed me to okay, yeah, we can we can actually do this. And I did like I like Moonrise Kingdom. I actually I think I Moonrise Kingdom I would say was my favorite Wes. Mm-hmm. But I think this is this is probably my favorite Wes Anderson movie. It's It's
2: definitely in my five. I just need to figure out where in my five it is.
1: Yeah, I think I don't want to be like Prisoner of the Moment because, again, I watched it the second time and I liked it even more. So I'm assuming when I I watch it again, I'm going to like it even more. So it's up there, though. It's very much up there. And I, I did really like, grand budapest hotel like that that move was really good too
0: what up you mutant miscreants it is i orokosaki aka the shredder here to tell you about the shredhead podcast starring me the shredder and my best friend my main brain the brains of the outfit i'm talking about krang krang is there he's my producer we have a podcast it's utterly ridiculous it's an insane premise. Uh, to top it all off, I I haven't even seen
1: the Ninja Turtles in years. But we're primarily talking about hoops.
0: Yes, the national, the national BA, the W yeah, national BA. Um, uh, oh damn it! I've run into the lyrics. I'm sorry. But just check out the Shredhead podcast. It's me. It's crying. It's crazy. Think he'd be proud
2: of this? Who? Oh. Your father, his only daughter, selling her soul
1: for bail money. Sounds
0: my if you are like that. And it's not all bail money. Some of it's gambling debts and something.
2: Elena, no.
0: Elena! How did you end up like this? What do you mean? Resultful, very beautiful, self-sufficient? <laughs>
1: Speaking of of, uh, of of getting of getting surpassed or not, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So I saw in your box review that you like the movie and you may feel guilty about that. So, Kat, I want you to I want you to take over and kind of talk about your feelings of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny.
2: Indiana Jones and in the gray sweatpants, Riz.
1: Hilarious.
2: He's wearing gray sweatpants <laughs> at the end, and there is a yes. shot that pans right over it's, the situation.
1: It, it um, did. It definitely did.
2: And I'm just sitting there like...
1: Hey, there and it that's is.
2: what And that's what got Marion back.
1: There it is.
2: First of all, so sorry to the friends and loved ones of Mutt Williams. He will be missed. Oh my god, that's... <laughs>
1: Oh, that (laughs) shows They'd have to do that. Like, goddamn. They got that. They had to
2: have a good reason for him to not be back. So they just decided on nom. We're
1: gonna kill Um, your ass in nom, my boy. (laughs) RFP.
2: Go go nom, young man.
1: Oh shit.
2: Anyway, alright. So I had heard from every review that I had ever read, that this was the worst movie that has ever been made. Uh And I was going to hate it. And it was going to be like the jungle cruise movie and everything was going to be stupid and shallow and there were going to be no stakes Mm -hmm. and nothing was going to really hurt or matter. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, well it's a shame about this bad movie I'm about to see. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I do feel that it had the classical problem of 2023. You could have cut a half an hour Yes. But yes. I think this is maybe my third favorite. I mean, so. And I, think it, and I think, and I'm not saying that with like a question mark, right? Like actually, because it's objectively probably the third best if you factor in the racism of two, which I feel you sure. do, but some people don't feel uh, that way. I
1: uh, know, you absolutely do. You absolutely need
2: to. <laughs> but for me, I feel like it hit, all the blocks for me and it didn't hit them all perfectly, but it is a real artifact that is interesting and of historical significance. And it's clear that they did enough research on that to make that aspect of it. Interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah, it
2: was the time fuckery was fucky, but not so fucky that it was annoying. It wasn't like, Oh, by the way, there are aliens. But I would say that it is no weirder than the time that Indiana Jones, like, met a 600-year-old knight and confirmed that God existed.
1: Touché. Touché.
2: I think that this was a better take on aging Indiana Jones. Okay. I like that he still has got it, but he's had to kind of readjust to what it is. And he doesn't have it all the time. And he still ends up in situations where he's got a whip and 30 other guys have got a gun. And he's got to duck and crawl under the table. And, like, I thought it was good. I like Helena. I like that they did a nice twist on a Indiana Jones girl counterpart. Uh, It wasn't like she was a secret Nazi. It wasn't like she was into him. It was weird but I thought that she worked fine as a character. I wish they had given her a little bit more, but I thought the performance was charismatic enough that it really didn't bother me terribly.
1: Cat, can I tell you the best thing about her performance that I liked? Every now and then she would kind of like turn her head and I'll be like, wow, she looks like Kat. And like three or four times I got happy because I thought I saw Kat in Indiana Jones. So- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that made me very happy.
2: I liked Teddy. I liked the scrappy little kid because he wasn't super annoying.
1: Yeah, I like the kid too.
2: And I like that we saw Nazis getting the shit kicked out of them because fuck Nazis.
1: Oh, that I think the best part of the movie was they're actually calling Nazis Nazis to their fucking faces. Well, I, like, I really Nazi liked the cold
2: the cold open I thought was really good. Ooh. So
1: I uh, want you to explain it. How can I talk about my feelings on the movie?
2: So the one the one thing I noticed about the cold open right away was, wow, that's a really great digital de-aging or, or face mapping or whatever. And then he spoke and I went, oh, but no. he's 80 years old. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, as soon as he talked, that shit went out the window. Like, I felt so awkward.
2: But I thought that was a really well-paced action sequence. We got some new situations that we see him getting out of. Like you know, it's not him with his hands tied over his head again. Like it's a different dynamic that we get to see him overcome. Yeah. I love a good train. Whoa, hey, yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> in 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 the most classical transportation sense. Um, <laughs> all, all right. <laughs> but like, I I felt like I was like, oh, okay. Like James Mangold is here to cement his title as your dad's favorite filmmaker. Who's under 60 years old.
1: Yeah. He's holding the belt. He's holding the belt.
2: And, and again, it's not a perfect movie. And I don't know that the Disney company right now is capable of making a perfect live action movie because they just have, they just have these (laughs) like checklists that they arbitrarily must do, you know, but I think that it is given some of the shit that I've seen Recently, given some of the shit I've seen this year, given some of the shit I've seen them do to Indiana Jones. Yeah, this is a damn fine Indiana Jones movie. Cut a half an hour, but like, it's fine.
1: So I was actually talking to Kellen about I didn't tell him about the movie, but. Uh, Kellen was wanting to see the movie, and he was, I guess, unsure about if he should actually go to see it. And so this is what I sent him after I, I saw the movie. If you're in the mood for good action and a good performance from Harrison, you're good to see Dial of Destiny. And I think if you work just strictly on that baseline, if you want to see a good action movie and you love Harrison Ford and you want to see him be a, you want to see him be Harrison Ford at what his age is now, this is more than a good Good movie to see it's it satisfies all of that
2: i guess my question is i don't know what else you want from an indiana jones movie
1: so okay so here's where i come in so <laughs> now i again i think the baseline of the action in harrison works fairly well i just felt when you talked about the beginning and when it goes it is a massively code open we go straight into darkness we go straight into action and then when we when we kind of get out of that and we learn about what the situation is so now he's older marian they're getting a divorce or a legal separation uh, and then we find out uh rp mut uh <laughs> you will be missed by your parents, uh,
2: it, I, I thought it. it, it, it Indy, kinda... Indy is sad that Marion's sad, but I would not say that he uh, <laughs> seems to miss his kid at all.
1: Yeah, he does not miss the kid, and the narrative does not miss the kid. <laughs> so, I, I, I thought it was. And actually, the funny thing is, I saw for the first time Crystal Skull, and you know the funny shit is, I actually don't. Dislike Crystal Skull.
2: I don't either. I, Crystal Skull yeah, is my fi- my second favorite behind this one now.
1: It's it's like it's absurd. It has a lot of wild shit. It is, but you know, it's fun as shit. It is fun as fuck. It
2: fun. is a great drinking game movie. <laughs> I I now that I've seen the Fablemans, I'm like, oh my god, Kate Blanchett oh. has has the mom's <laughs> haircut. Oh no, uh, yeah, like exactly. No, it's fun. It's it's not my favorite. But it's fine. But I think that this one tries to be a little more serious than that one, and it succeeds at that.
1: I think that's what I think that's the main reason. I think it's I would rate it lower than Crystal Skull because for me, I think it just gets a little bit too serious, especially with that movie that's like super supposed to be fun, and this movie. I don't neces I wouldn't necessarily describe this as fun. I think it's a, a tad too dark to be described as fun. But I did like the kid character. I thought he was a really charming kid. I didn't I didn't necessarily like Phoebe Bridgewater's character.
2: Uh, Waller it was a, Bridge.
1: What did I say, Phoebe Bridgewater.
2: You said Bridgewater. I thought. Oh
1: shit! <laughs> uh, so, my bad. Uh, um she, it wasn't her performance that was necessarily bad, but I don't know if I didn't necessarily like her character. Indie um,
2: isn't necessarily known for having like complex and thoughtful, fully fleshed out adaptations of women, though. And like, very true, also very true. like he made out with a Nazi one time. Like oh, his 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 track record with women is bad. I'm just gonna throw this out there. I totally understand if you're, like, hey, man, I just thought our writing was, like, clunky and, like, a little too, like, uh, girl bossy or whatever. But, like, I am so tired of people being, like, well, I love this complicated male character. Like, I don't like him, but, like, I love him as a character. Why wasn't the woman, like, likable?
1: <laughs> that's a fair assessment. That's, that's fair.
2: So, like, don't hit me with that shit because, like. <laughs> Is it possible that just two not very likable people team up to make a fairly likable team and also the kid? I think that their dynamic is better than either of—well, I don't know, Harrison Ford's doing pretty good in this one. But, like, their <laughs> dynamic is is better than just her alone.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: It's not quite like a chocolate and peanut butter— Situation I'd say it's like chocolate And orange right like some people really uh, like The flavor of chocolate and orange together and some People just it's not for them But yeah. that doesn't mean that Chocolate isn't good and that doesn't mean that oranges Aren't good
0: yeah
1: you know The funny thing is so I said When I watch Astro City the second Time I liked it even more I think if I watch this Again I think I was When I first watched it I was Analyzing it way too closely I think and I think there's baggage that a lot of people have with this franchise, and so I think if I just watch it for what it is, I think I could, I would get over the hump. But I, I was just analyzing it way too closely, I think. So I'll, I'll admit that. And I, and in the of the, we sp- we talked about the heroes. We haven't really talked about the villains yet. I thought Mads, I, I, I like Mads' performance. I'm. I'm a little bit tired of seeing uh, the the guy who's always the bad guy in uh, in, in Mangold movies. What, what the fuck his name is? Uh, Boyd Holbrook. He's like anytime he's on screen, I know he's gonna do bad. Like he he needs to do a rom com like ASAP to to get the stink off him. <laughs> but the the villains in this in the villain story I was like actually in, pretty good.
2: In this movie though, that he's just like. What if I killed that guy? Like, that's his whole thought process. Whole thing. Also, oh my God. I just Googled him. And one of these pictures of him is, you can't, that, that's like, I have oh. safe search on. What oh. are you doing? Google
1: cat, cat is literally hot under the collar right now. She is fanning herself. I just, Holy
2: smokes. This is like, I'll be interested to see if it hop, it popped up. If you were to Google him or if All Google right. just knows I'm horny. <laughs>
1: Shit, hold on Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm gonna Google right now Hold on Let's see, let's see Is it a It's not the black and white one, is it?
2: Uh, It is a black and white one, but Is,
1: is it his face one?
2: No, there's there's see. one that is like him with It looks like either one of those Just like tiny little tank tops Or nothing under a suit jacket Fixing did his you, pants
1: Did you just Google his name? Yes Oh, no I, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Cats Google is funneling horniness to her (laughs) Uh, Google Google knows the gender breakdown And what they want
1: Holy shit, that was funny You gotta send me the photo Because that that is going in the episode photos
2: I'm not downloading that, I'm sorry
1: Uh, You just don't want to save it, that's all that is
2: Yeah, I also know that then Google's gonna push more stuff like that
1: Where is (laughs) That's funny.
2: But, but I liked that Mads Mikkelsen wasn't just a Nazi. He was like a zealot in like the classical sense. And yeah. and he was like, no, the ideas were good. It was the Fuhrer that fucked us. Like, so yeah. he's not even, it's not like a cult of personality. Because yeah. a lot of, like, I feel like any other Nazi would be like, I will go back in time and protect the Fuhrer. And he's just like, nah, I'm the Fuhrer now, bitch. In, that's a great layer
1: yeah and that was a good surprise because i I was thinking that he was going to go back to to serve him, but it's like this guy's a genius. It wouldn't make sense for him to serve it. It would make sense for him to try to overcome him. So well, no, my, that that worked
2: I then like though my my immediate thought was, like Indiana Jones's actual superpower is networking. And like that's kind of the plot <laughs> of these movies, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, he he knows his, like, wit and what he can do, but he also knows who he can call when he's in a jam. Like, from, from Jock Lindsay all the way up to, the like, Antonio Banderas. And I think that he was like, no, I will go back in time and kill Hitler. And then I was like, wait, was this a miscommunication the whole time? Are they going to team up and go kill Hitler? And I was like, because <laughs> then... First of all, yes. amazing yes. But second of all, then you will <laughs> Absolutely lose me
1: I mean, well, yeah If they would have did that swing That would have been really fucking wild But, I mean, they Well, we're not going to spoil what happens Because I think this is another Recommendation for folks to see Because I think yeah. this is Again, and this is from someone who given it a who given it a worse rating than Kat I still think it's a good movie. It's a fun action adventure piece to watch. And if you love Harrison and you've been watching Harrison Ford, God knows, I mean, this is like the fourth decade of Harrison Ford. Like, it is this like shit maybe fifth? This is a movie that you want to watch. And especially the way we treat our aging stars, to where someone his age now. Getting a leading vehicle, even if it is IP, and I have a, I have definitely have problems with that. But even if we're giving someone of that age, who was a mega star and he still is in a lot of people's hearts, let's give them a vehicle to do something, and in their charm and their skill, it will propel the movie. Even if you don't like it, they can still be the best part of a of an enjoyable movie. And so I hope we I hope we get more. Of of that for a star. So right? I didn't start.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. And I also think in that a similar vein, I am appreciative of some not aggressively sexualized female sidekick characters. Oh, yeah. So so more of those also, please, <laughs> especially yes. because like curmudgeonly older actor. And young upshot who really wants to like sunshine and rainbows their way out of a problem, which she doesn't want to do. But you know what I mean, right? She's a lot yeah. chip, more chipper than he is, is like one of the best on screen dynamics, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I think if I watch her performance again, I think it would age better. So I I think when it comes to via when it comes on streaming I, I'd give it another shot to see how well it's aged because I think the action even though I mean we talked about you know some of the CGI uh, they they did a really great job but then he you know he talked uh, and I think for the most part the action that involved him you know it's obviously him and stunt doubles and stuff like that but. I think for the most part, a lot of the action of it really worked pretty well. We're not going to spoil anything, but I agree. There's, there's stuff in this that they can they could have cut out, saved time, and that, that probably would have made a better experience, too.
2: Yeah, but also, it doesn't hurt here at the very, very end.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a very cute
2: scene. Oh, my God. Because it's, like, it's hard to talk about without, like, spoiling it. Really? Yeah, yeah. But it was just the right amount of stuff,
1: yeah, I think if the movie may have been littered with not that scene but a little bit stuff that was a little bit on the lighter side, I think the movie overall would work a little bit more for me. I just thought it was I think the only thing we we don't I think the only th- we don't disagree with, but I think the the only difference between how we view the movie is just kind of the darkness to so where you didn't mind it and i I just kind of mind it a little bit more so.
0: That's
2: that's totally fair. Uh, The other thing that I think is very sweet is we see uh, we see uh, (laughs) like, yes, there have been so many movies recently where it has been dark and I'm just like, well, anything's (laughs) happening, I guess. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the screen is flickering So something must be happening right now
2: Oh, I heard a squelch I guess someone got hit Like
1: <laughs>
2: oh, is. But like, we yeah. see Like, we see what's going on And like, I've gotta give Mangold and his team Some credit Because this movie looks like an Indiana Jones movie And not yeah. like a Modernized Indiana Jones movie Like an Indiana Jones movie Yeah Yeah, definitely and that attention to detail that he does to make that New York Street feel so tactile and stuff he's great. To the point where I was like, did he just use Spielberg's West Side Story sets? Because
1: it kind of feels like it. <laughs> I mean, well, under, well, I don't know if West Side, I, I doubt it was under Films, but I mean, that's still his boy, so probably. Yeah. Probably.
2: I also, I saw the Oppenheimer trailer before it last night. I hadn't watched it yet.
1: (laughs) Oh, this is your very first time watching the trailer?
2: Yeah, because fuck Chris Nolan, man. Um. Shit. I mean, like, not actually, because I every time I read an interview with him, I'm like, God damn it. I think we could hang out. But every time I see one of his movies, I'm like, oh, no, No, like we could not hang out. No. uh." (laughs)
1: Um,
2: I think, though, just like how nice he has been about the Barbie movie has made me soften on seeing fucking Oppenheimer dramatically hilarious man uh
1: so are you are you gonna do bobenheimer uh that that weekend well actually no this, this no because weekend. i
2: have press for barbie so i can't uh, do Barbenheimer because uh, i'll have seen it already
1: what day are you gonna see it
2: i'm seeing it on tuesday oh damn i'm bringing my big dick kennergy it's there gonna it be is. great
1: there it is there it is well uh, speaking of getting something we're going to talk about our... Well, I'll talk about my top five movies, and Kat will talk about her top three movies of the year so far. But my number five movie, I I got early access to... Well, I think they did this all over the, the country, but uh, last night, July 10th, I got to see uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Said that five times fast. <laughs> they gave us um, a movie poster... And a commemorative IMF lapel pin, so that was Ooh. pretty cool. And obviously, I'm not going to spoil it for the listeners because when this comes out, it will be the first Friday where the movie is out nationally. But this is my number five movie. It's
2: it's. I. It's
1: really good.
2: I Have never seen a Mission Impossible movie.
1: Oh shit!
2: Well, I mean, and I feel like I, there are too many now, and I can't start this late. oh.
1: So, should Cat watch the Mission Impossible series? If you were to ask me that, for uh, some added
2: context, I do like like spy movies and like action movies.
1: You would dig the first. You would like the first one. I can I can comfortably say you'll like the one from nineteen ninety six. The <laughs> the rest, um, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I like the series. There's only one movie in the series that I say I don't like, but there's parts of it I still appreciate. But again, that's still they're Reckoning Part One, and I have to say Part One because it is a Part One. It is the there's seven movies. So next year will 2025, whatever. It's going to be eight movies in total. So is this a is this a franchise where you need to see all these movies? I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's I, it sounds CTV. like
2: maybe we need to have Vanya on to discuss this further. Because <laughs> I I saw her in the replies.
1: Yeah, Mission Impossible Two is a very polarizing movie. Well, it's it's polarizing, but most people don't like it. But the people who really like it. Really really go up for it So it's It's a, it's an interesting franchise uh, You got J.J. Abrams He made the third one And I think that was a little bit polarized
2: My, my guy your Like guy. I didn't write a whole op-ed about how much I hate him and then receive death threats To my home hey. Except the Star Trek movies I find.
1: Uh- hilarious, hilarious So that is my That's my number five And my number four is what we talked about at great length already, Asteroid City. So, uh, again, not going to spoil it, but definitely check it out. So, Kat, where do we have your number three movie of 2023
2: so far? I liked Dungeons & Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves a lot. Okay. I
1: was actually talking Uh, to folks... Yesterday, who were championing out a bit. So, talk about it a little bit more.
2: I think that it is one of the most fun and easiest to enter into fantasy movies that we've gotten in a while. Okay. I am a casual D and D player. I enjoy D and D, but I am not someone who like has an encyclopedic knowledge of it, and that okay. did not deter me in any way. It is a bunch of really charismatic and interesting actors playing really good characters. Chris Pine is in it, and he's great. And you know who else is in it? And great, Hugh Grant. And they have a very similar, (laughs) weird, janky charisma. And it's very well done. The effects are good. It's, like, just really solid fantasy adventure. It's not too heavy, but it's still got stakes. It feels like it takes itself seriously, but still, like, wants to have fun. And that... Is what I needed for a movie that came out in February.
1: There it is. There it is. I haven't seen it. April.
2: I'm sorry. It came out in April.
1: I haven't seen it, but I heard people. And again, that was another one that only had like a a three weekend run at the theaters. But I heard people who liked that movie would like that movie too. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a good one to catch. My number three is this international movie. It, it came out at Cannes last year, but it didn't have a US release until this year. Uh, it's called Close. It's um the country, it's like it was produced between Belgium, France, and the Netherlands, but basically it's a story of these two kids who grew up. There's like a coming of age between these two these two boys, and the way they position their relationship is we don't know if they are in love with each other or not. And Mm -hmm. so it's from one perspective One kid has some feelings And then the other one is sort of wrestling And reckoning with those feelings And then also because they're kids And have to go to public school They have to reckon with their relationship in public I think it's a really beautiful main movie It's definitely a lot of pain within a movie But I think it's a pretty interesting movie That I saw so far And, And the kids, like the actors at the time They were, I think they may have been only like 13 or 14 years old. Like, they were really young. But I think that was a really good movie. I think it's streaming somewhere, but uh, close. I I highly recommend watching that. But, Kat, what is your number two of the year?
2: I'm going to give it to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I will, too. That's my number two as well. I think that if nothing else, what it does for animation is really special. I'm really sorry for the animators who were mistreated on that project. I Mm, hope that animators are also able to successfully unionize soon because I think that their treatment is getting worse and worse all the time and they make many of my favorite things, so I want them to be able to get the support that they need. I liked the flying Spider-Man popsicle. I liked Hobie a lot as a character. I liked seeing the next kind of generation of miles and i liked seeing how gwen and peter b have grown but also in some ways have not grown yeah and i think the fact that we're able to have conversations about like clearly they're his friends but are they really his ally is important and i think that this is going to be a movie that kids are going to be able to watch as fairly young and then watch again when they are older and feel seen and understood in ways that perhaps they didn't before
1: yes very Uh. much yes
2: Anyway, I believe in Flying Spider-Man Popsicle Supremacy.
1: <laughs> oh, man. And, yes, Across the Spider-Verse, visually stunning. I'm very glad, like, the fan art that's popped up from it. All of it's been a really enjoyable experience. So I hope I get to have a chance to see it in theaters again. But, but yeah, man, it's really good shit. It's really good shit. Um, so what is your number one?
2: Mine is uh, it's Asteroid City, baby.
1: There it is. There it is. My my number one of the year is Past Lives. Past Lives is a is not it's a romance movie between these two these two uh, kids that grew up in Korea, South Korea to be more specific. Uh, but basically, they 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 grew up in South Korea. They have a little romance and then they split, and then the movie kind of follows their journey throughout the years of being disconnected and reconnecting and finally kind of culminates in in one trip that happens in the movie so i definitely don't want to spoil it because i think people should definitely experience past lives i dare a movie to be better than past lives for me this year it's i thoroughly enjoyed it a lot um i got to see it twice in theaters already and it's it's really going to be up there for me this year so I know some people are wondering if that will have any kind of nominations. If it has steam by the end of the year, I think it can get nominated at least for best original screenplay. And I hope the director gets some kind of recognition, but I think past lives, I think is going to be a real, a real testament to 2023 movies.
2: I'm going to have to check it out. Cause this sounds very up my alley. And under two hours long which is always
1: <laughs>
2: one of my favorite things
1: it's really good I, I told the ashford city story of when i saw past Lives in austin like when the movie ended like there were people just weeping in the crowd it, it was a real kind of treat to to see in theaters um the second time i watched it it was basically the same thing everyone in the crowd was affected by it so this is definitely a movie to... Uh, if it's still playing in your city, I would check it out. But if you can only stream it, still stream it. it. It's going to give you a great experience either way. Yo, yo, yo. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I wish you do this again sometime. As you can tell, we are currently in the middle of summer. So Kat and I will be taking a little summer break. But we will be back in the fall. Nice Thanks for listening to this season. I love that we got to reach back in time and find some classics, and hopefully, some of the ones that we talked about in the show you have added to your watch list. And hopefully, you get to enjoy as well. But before we go, just wanted to state, you know, fully for the record, <laughs> we fully support the Writers and Screen Actors Guild Strike. Hopefully, when we return back in the autumn, the artisans who craft our favorite films will get their just still. But until then, stay strong, love you, peace, bye.
0: If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chin at T on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime.
1: This is a Hyphen Podcast production. Are you not entertained?